Welcome back, Full Circle Reviews. I'm Justin. We got Luke. That's me. And Kristen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. Tonight we'll be reviewing True Romance. True Romance came out in 1993 and is classified as an action crime film. Initial thoughts on that classification? What? <laughs> you're, I mean, you're kidding. I guess. Right. It, I mean, it crime is happens. A crime film and it tech. And mean, something has some action. Something action oriented did happen at one point, I believe. Okay, so it works. It's directed by Tony Scott, who is actually the director of Top Gun. Um, the screenplay was written by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, and this movie stars Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. But it has a plethora of co-stars, including, in no particular order, Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper, James Gandolfini, Michael Rappaport. A lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people in this that film. Is, that is something that definitely had, had going for it. Quick synopsis of the film. A loner obsessed with Elvis and a prostitute fall in love after she was hired to watch kung fu movies with him to celebrate his birthday. The two, after one night, fall deeply in love and get married the next day. They go to break the news to Alabama's pimp, but doesn't go so well. And Alabama, by the way, is the prostitute. Just to make is the prostitute. Yeah, My P- bad. Patricia Arquette. Sorry. Star- Christian Slater plays Clarence, and uh, Patricia Arquette plays Alabama. So uh, they go to break it to her, her pimp, and it doesn't go over so well. There's a little bit of a... Struggle, I guess I'd say. And on his way out, Clarence grabs a suitcase thinking it's Alabama's clothes, but it turns out to be a suitcase full of cocaine that belongs to the mob. So the two set out west to start a new life together and film kind of explodes from there. What initial reactions to the movie, Luke? Initial reactions. Well, to be perfectly honest with our listeners, um, is it has been a month since since I viewed this movie. For whatever reason, um, personal reasons notwithstanding, um, it is memorable. I remember it for some positives. I remember it being somewhat uh, irritating at times, which we'll get into, and it has a lot to do with the music. But that is a very minor thing to kind of be focusing on. It's it's memorable. It has that Tarantino feel to it. It has that chaotic Tarantino feel where things come together at the end and you know there was a greater vision for it. So it's memorable is what I will say. Kristen? I liked it. Um, I can't say I loved it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it was at the verge of visual and and chaos and vomit almost to where I, if it went too much further, I probably would have had some frustrations more so with it. But it very much had a, a very Tarantino film-esque mm-hmm. feel. And those of you who have seen multiple Tarantino films, you'll you'll know exactly what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Uh, it, it's almost hard to put your finger down on what makes it a Tarantino film, except for it's just eccentric. Mm-hmm. And with eccentricity, right, there's a very specific storyline mm-hmm. that's just as ridiculous as other Tarantino films could be, even though this is not technically a Tarantino film, but there are some scenes that are just memorable and just excellent. And some that just get to you. And so I agree with you on that, Luke, that there's, there's some excellent scenes and some not as much. However, overall, I really enjoyed the movie. And you brought up the Tarantino feel like this has a Tarantino feel, but it's not as acute as some of his more recent it's very movies. Early on, yeah. 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 Which I find very interesting because he legit wrote the screenplay and then had nothing to do with the film. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was involved with the direction or anything. Which is what's so funny about that. Cause it absolutely, fe- I'm, even before I knew he wrote the screenplay, I felt like it was a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Hmm. I think dialogue, the dialogue, when you start to diagnose a lot of different, Tarantino films when you look at that specific aspect of the movie um, is where it really shines. The Most people, you know, hone in on the visuals, you know, especially like Kill Bill and some of the more more recent ones. But it really just all started with the dialogue. This this movie and the screenplay is actually what jump started his career. So he sold this for fifty thousand um, dollars and was able to use the money 
to fund Reservoir Dogs. And if you guys have ever seen Reservoir Dogs, mm. the movie's all dialogue. That's like all the movie is. And it's a pretty revered movie. So I think you have a point there with Tarantino films having a, a visual aspect. But I actually think they have a very specific feel. Mm-hmm. There's a feel to it. There is an, a, a, it's alive. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's eccentric. It's off the wall. It's over the top. It's a combination of comedy and visually a little bit pushing of boundaries. But it's, I think it's more of the overall feel of the movie that makes it to me seem like Tarantino more than actually the visuals but I agree with you on the dialogue. I mean, one of the first lines is, we'd both fuck Elvis. Nice to meet you. Mm. Well, I believe, Holy you know, tomato. he started it by saying, I'd fuck Elvis. That was before, the, a word I'm talking about a little bit later in that conversation. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. So let's talk, that was Clarence, right? Yes. So let's talk about Clarence. Um, Clarence's character, a, there was a lot of people who wanted to play this, and actually Brad Pitt was like chomping at the bit play this hmm. but it ended up going to christian slater because brad pitt was also filming um california with a k at the same time so he can do both movies so he's still in the movie had a bit part but what do you comical. what do you think about christian slater and his role as clarence i personally think christian slater is a one-dimensional actor but he is excellent at that dimension and this role more or less is kind of like what he could hang his hat on and Kristen, what do you think? I thought it was excellent in this. I'm not a huge Christian Slater fan. I mean, I like a few movies that he's been in. I mean, Broken Arrow, right? For anyone who's yeah. seen Broken Arrow. Interview with the Vampire. No, that's no. that's him and John Travolta. No, we're talk- it, I know, but he I was- don't like Interview with the Vampire. Oh, oh you fantastic. said Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, Interview with the Vampire is fantastic, in my opinion. But go ahead. Yeah, he was a minor part in Interview with the Vampire. But go ahead. Sorry. But I think that in this we'll role, he was great, and it was when I heard after the movie that Brad Pitt had wanted to play the role, I'm sure Brad Pitt would have done a great job, but it would have been a very different character. I agree. I agree with that. I agree. I think he brought like a, a good blend of awkwardness and nerdy, quirky um, to the role because Clarence's character, I mean, in the first scene of the movie, like you were talking about, he's in a bar talking to a chick, potentially trying to pick up on her and talking to her about how cool Elvis is. And, you know, it's like his scale for measuring cool basically is what it, what it comes down to for me. Then literally saying, you know, I'd fuck Elvis. It was a little awkward. He was a little, was, little obsessed. It was, yeah. You could say that works in a comic book store. Grown man. Well, yeah, he, say he, what you will. Lives above that. the comic book store. Say so it doesn't have a lot going on well. for him. Right. Yeah. Hey, I'm all about the nerd. We're talk nerdy. Yeah, I'm okay with talk, that. But indeed he was a little on the quirky kind of isolation but he still had the audacity and confidence to go out and try and meet women. You could say that anybody else in that kind of position would have been like, you know, super self-conscious about, you know, look at me, I'm in my thirties and I live here and I work in a comic book store. No woman want me. This guy was like, you know, bring it on. I don't know how much audacity he had, right? The early scene, he's in a bar talking to a woman. It didn't look like he was really pursuing her from his body language. And then the girl that he ends up getting involved with Alabama was a set. So it wasn't so much that he was pursuing the women as it was that he was just, you know, invoking his quirk. Well, he did ask the lady at the bar if she wanted to basically go on the same date, go see the Sonny Chiba movies that he was about to go see. And Right, which isn't <clears throat> a, a, all that of an impressive of a date offer to most people. But still, it was a date offer. But he, he is a little bit of a weirdo. He, he was in a bar. I mean, wouldn't you just drink at home if you weren't trying to meet somebody? Maybe. I would say he is audacious and maybe uh, a little bit of a chameleon because throughout the movie, he was able to take on some serious situations and situations that a character of his nature, kind of quirky and nerdy, you wouldn't typically put them in. I think he did that after he had his interactions with his imaginary friend Elvis, though. I almost feel like he pulled his strength in those moments and in those situations from well, kind of instead of a, what would Jesus do, but what would Elvis do? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I do too. So before before we get there, let's let's go. So let's get back to to the chronological order of the movie. Um, 
So the lady doesn't want to go to the movie. The movie's with him. So Clarence ends up going on his own, and that's where he meets Alabama, mm-hmm. played by Patricia Arquette. She was super cute in this movie. Yeah, for the first time. Not usually. In for the memory. only time. Yes. Like, she is usually, you know, woof. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. And not this time? No, she was damn cute in this movie. And I, I fully agree. But I have yet to see her attractive in any you know, aspect of, mm-hmm. yeah, no, this is the only time. And for the viewers who haven't seen it, as she was set up to be there, Clarence's boss paid for her to be there basically um, for his birthday, for them to celebrate. And she spills her popcorn on him mm-hmm. really to get and sits behind him and then kind of just moves up seats with them. And they just start jabbering and kind of seem like some natural chemistry right away. Um, sure. Easy to do that when you're paid. Yeah, it's like when you're, you know, your goal is to, you know, have chemistry. Have chemistry yeah. But there's bad actors. I'm a bad actor. Okay. Right? Not really. I, you're, I, I, do you think if somebody paid you, you could just fill her shoes real quick? Somebody? Absolutely. Play up to somebody? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really? Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised what yeah. I've done. What, what was that look? Nothing, nothing. Nothing. I, I believe you. It was 100% belief. Yeah, okay. That's what so it was. anyway, back to uh, Patricia Arquette. In this movie, she looked to me a little bit like a cross between Meg Ryan and Melanie Griffith. Agreed. She looked like Brittany Murphy to me. Oh, Ooh, good comparison. Yeah. She okay. looked cracked out Brittany Murphy? Or? Nah, like pre-cracked out. Gotcha. But she looked okay. dead on, and that's where the attraction come from, comes from. Okay. Ooh, an attraction. Okay. She was good looking, dude. Good. I told okay. you, for God's sakes, I'm wearing track pants here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after the movie, they go out for pie. Yes. And then go back to Clarence's place. And, and go to the comic store. Well, that's where he lives. Yes. He lives above the comic book store. Yes. So they go to his place, and they hook up, and it's a... Uh, little bit of a risque sex scene for the 90s it is wouldn't you say i would but then then he ends it with i can't believe you took off your dress and you didn't have a dick (laughs) well that's not exactly what he said (laughs) he said i've never he talks about how he's never had so much fun okay so what happened was at when they're at the i can't say dinner i guess pie because it's early in the morning together it was pie. at the end you know clarence tells her what a great time it's been it's been like the best date of his life one of the best times he's ever had with somebody and so that's why they end up going back to his place and checking things out leads to sex and then um, afterwards she's like outside basically sitting on the ledge of like a billboard it was right like right on the ledge of a building and she's kind of distraught smoking a cigarette uh crying and then tells him that uh She's a call girl and she's, you know, been a call girl for exactly four days and really doesn't know how to handle. And didn't she say that he was her first? Yes. Okay. I remember. I thought I remember that. And first client. client. And, you know, she really likes him. And that's when he says, you know, well, you know, he reiterates again. It's been one of the best times of his life. And he was just so happy that when she pulled off her dress, she didn't have a dick. Yeah. We can all relate. Uh, You know, I may or may not have been fooled before. (laughs) Wow. So speaking of her being a call girl, I thought it was surprising that he wouldn't have even questioned that with her outfit because it couldn't have been any more obviously call girl thirsty is I believe that, you know, the term term. these days. Yeah. Yeah. But she was wearing a red bustier, a cheetah print coat, leopard print bra, really heavy eye makeup, bleach blonde hair to go to the movies. With lots of cleavage. With lots of cleavage. It just was very... I mean, she looked hot, but it was very. And this actress didn't have much cleavage to offer, but yet they, it was all in the bra. They got yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, she she confesses her love for him and pretty much agrees. Would you guys say this is like the definition of moving too fast, especially considering they get married the following morning? Well, they were met, married, and tattooed within four days. Yeah, different strokes, different folks. I mean. It, but a yes, little fast. A little bit. But when you know, you know, I guess. I mean, Soulmates? I, love at first sight. I mean, the movie is called True Romance. I mean, Did you feel the romance? Um, I, I felt like it was like a spree. Like it was just like a, let's do something spontaneous spree. It okay. was a honeymoon phase of a cocon. Yeah. That's how yeah, I felt at the nice. same time. Can you say that again? A honeymoon phase of a cocon. Dude, 
That should be the fucking title. That's awesome. Honeymoon phase of a Kokai. Nice, Kristen. Shut. Straight the fuck up. Okay, so they realize they're going to be together, but there's still a glaring issue that she's a call girl and belongs to a pimp by the name of Drexel, yeah. who is played by Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. So I love him. It's a very different role for Gary I Oldman. Ne- yeah. I love Gary Oldman, and I would have never, ever, ever, looking at that character, known it was him. Right. I would have guessed Polly Shore. Really? Yeah. No joke. I, if you wouldn't have told me, I would have guessed Polly Shore in a heartbeat. Like a white Jamaican with some gold teeth and something like that. Just, a wannabe. It would have been easier to dress Polly Shore up like that than Gary Oldman. It was shocking that it was him, but it just shows how diverse and how incredible of an act. I actually wish his character had a longer you know, livelihood in the movie, just because I love him so much. Yeah. So right before Clarence goes to meet with Drexel, it's the first time we see him having a conversation in the mirror with Elvis Mm -hmm. and Elvis is played by Val Kilmer. So another big star. Absolutely. Um, What do you think the significance is of Elvis within the movie? I think you hinted on it earlier, Kristen, but what do you think Luke? Uh, I'd like to hear Kristen's first because I don't have anywhere to go on that one. Oh, okay. So I think that Elvis is his alter ego strength personified when he needs to, you know, whenever you're in a situation and you have to dig down deep to get through it, he is his depth of mm. how, what would, what would Elvis do? He's so cool. He's so great. I mean, a straight guy saying that he would fuck Elvis, obviously he really, really looks up to admires yeah. yeah the king and so in those moments it's kind of like what would be the the stronger cool thing to do which isn't natural to him because he is quirky and it's not his outwardly natural characteristic yeah i felt like that's kind of where he drew his confidence from because he naturally had none so it was like getting psyched up to go do what he had to do it was like the only way he was able to motivate himself to go outside of his box so would you say he's a struggling male protagonist? Definitely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> without so, a doubt. So like the epitome. The you, epitome. You're betting you're you're betting you're betting one hundred on your choices of movies right now. One hundred, so one for ten. No, you're betting a thousand. One point zero 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 okay, on your struggling male protagonist in every movie. Got it. Yeah. So for you, Luke, no real significance in Elvis. Could have no, done there without was significance. it. Significance. I knew there was significance. There okay. had to be significance. Seeing as how just about before every single major plot twist or plot element was introduced, there was some kind of where he he was in the bathroom or he was alone and he was with with Elvis and Elvis was giving him some kind of advice and it always had to do with what action he was about to take. So it had to. I just there were like very intense moments too. Yeah, absolutely. There were because the next following things that happened. There's Elvis only comes in the movie twice, right? And both scenes. Is it only twice? It's only yeah, twice. He hears him, but he, he hears him a couple of times, but he's only physically present twice. And both of them are when he's talking through the mirror, and you kind of don't see him directly. No, right? you don't know it's Val Kilmer. You hear you him hear his voice. And you- assume that's who it is but you don't know 100 percent. yeah you hear his voice a couple more times but you, you never directly see him it's always like indirectly as and, well am i wrong but is that like a total tarantino totally. feeling move Absolutely. to have like a huge star like that because this was 93 yeah mm-hmm. okay kilmer was huge then still yes, yeah so for him to be in that kind of role where he's not even directly on film must okay, have wanted gotta, to be in it right you gotta remember this was a tony scott movie and who also did top, top gun, gun. Mm-hmm. true iceman Ice man. So I want to talk a little bit more about. I'm totally taking it. Yeah, I was going to go back there. A little bit more about the scene with Gary Oldman. I wanted to go back there. Oh, good. I did. Excellent. Um, Because, you know, he plays a very gangster ish wannabe black, but does pretty good playing a. He's he's crazy. I think he backs it up. He does. He definitely does back it up. I think my favorite line is he tells Clarence at one point, or he tells his, you know, his thug dude, the big, the big black dude, like the. I don't want to say the bouncer, muscle. the muscle. Mm-hmm. Good, good call there. He said he must have thought it was white boy day. It ain't white boy day, is it? That was my favorite quote see, of I his. Think my favorite quote from that scene is when Clarence looks at him and says, well, I'm her husband. And he says, well, that makes us practically related. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do remember that, actually. <laughs> and his, his body language, you would have no doubt that that was who he was. Yeah. Gary Oldman's portrayal of that character was just sold. Sold it. Would yeah. you say he's an unsung actor too absolutely he's probably one of my favorites because we talked about like ed harris we mm-hmm. talked about yeah he's i would say he's in that 
definitely in that realm. He's still too. my favorite Dracula of all times. So. Yeah. Okay. And you know, one of your favorite Harry Potter characters oh, as well. And too. without a doubt, the best Commissioner Gordon. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. So okay, um, continue with your. Yeah. So Clarence is there to basically tell the pimp that, you know, this girl no longer works for him and it's not going so well. He's kind of getting interrogated. He's got this hanging light. Drexel has this hanging light in front of him and keeps like mm-hmm. tossing it back and forth and putting the spotlight and he's eating Chinese food and they're like watching porn or some movie in the background. There's kind of a very lot. Very Tarantino. There's mm-hmm. a very Tarantino scene. There was a lot going on all mm-hmm. at once. And through this, Clarence somehow finds uber confidence and the gall to kind of tell him how it's going to be in. How do you guys think that went over? Not the way he expected. Definitely not. No. Right. Yeah. I mean, he ends up killing him. He ends up, yeah, end up he in a struggle. Up, yeah, but, but he, but he did end up, you know, getting what he wanted and then some, yeah. and then some a, yeah. a suitcase full of cocaine. I think that what's so to me, when we talk about the feel of Tarantino, what's so Tarantino feeling of this is Christian Slater goes to save the damsel in distress free her from this pimp mm-hmm. ends up with cocaine. And then he stops and brings her home a burger. Yeah. I, I just remembered that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And she looks at him. She's oh, that was so romantic. Okay. Yeah. I do remember that too. Yeah. It was like when, when Elvis came in, it was like, okay, here's your confidence to get through this conflict you're about to have. Because if you remember when he's talking to Alabama about it, Clarence, she's like, you don't have to go see him. We could just take off. We could just go away. Right. But, Clarence's like moral fortitude. He's like, I can't move forward knowing that, you know, you're still belong to this guy type thing. Mm. So I found that kind of interesting. And again, you know, Clarence definitely gets, gets his ass beat a little bit, gets an ox knocked unconscious Mm -hmm. and then kind of goes possum plays, plays dead for a second and flops over with the gun and shot Drexel right in the dick. Right. (laughs) How'd you guys feel about that? (laughs) Pretty poetic. Shocker. Absolutely. Yeah, poetic justice. Poetic justice. Yeah. I mean, he was a total dick. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I actually thought that Clarence was either schizophrenic or bipolar. I, I thought that, but... Definitely. I, there was some level of split personality, almost. I could see Definitely that. mental instability. Yeah. 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 Some, on some, some, defi- some end of the spectrum. I was right there with you. Definitely. Okay, so then he takes off from that. Well, he grabs what he thinks is a suitcase of her clothes, but turns out to be... Something different and um, drives home, grabs her cheeseburger, tells her about it and very calmly, very calmly tells her, you know, everything that happened. And instead of freaking out or getting worried, Alabama like breaks down into tears again and talking about the most romantic thing that's ever been done. Yeah, there's a, a musical score, I believe, at that point. Is that when the song the song comes? It's your favorite I, it's song. One the, it's one of those moments that I'll hear in my in my ni- nightmares for the rest of my life. Well, look, look, tell us about the music. I can't, you know, not it, the soundtrack, but the score. Oh, the score, the score I'm talking about in general. Yeah, the song. Okay. I can't even picture it at this point. But if it was played at any given point, I would know exactly what it was, and it would like bring back memories. Do you want to know the name of it? What was it? You're so cool. You're so cool. Uh, all right. Well, I, I don't even know how to describe it, so I feel like very unintelligent and kind of like that. chippery. Could it be was, the beginning to a sitcom. But the thing is, is it was it was played during was completely inappropriate scenes for that kind of a music, and I get that there's like some kind of something to be said about that. It was so Hans Zimmer did the the score. Hans Zimmer has done a lot of movies. Very very famous composer, especially when it comes to movie scores. So for me, the little jingle or music, it comes in at every time there's like something in your face, a really serious moment, like uh, a murder, uh, something gory. And it it's kind of detracts from being in that serious mood and kind of keeps things lighthearted, like moving on. It's like a transition. Sure. It definitely lightens the mood of the moments. I feel like it brought a little bit of positivity right into the movie at a time where there was nothing positive going on at all. But couldn't it be said that it's very out of place at that point? Ironic. Ironic. Okay. Well, it's a a juxtaposition. You have, you have to remember Tarantino as well. So I guess if you look deep, it fits, but it was still irritating. (laughs) So let's go into, the next big part of the movie where 
Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, their characters, they go and go to see dad. And right. so the whole reason they go to see dad is because his dad used to be a cop and has connections. So he wants to know if the cops are looking for him or if he's kind of in the clear. And right? dad is played by Dennis Hopper. Dad is played by Dennis Hopper. Yeah. And Dennis Hopper's pretty fucking cool. I agree. You guys like he Dennis is Hopper? uncelebrated a bit. He is. He is. Speed. Yeah. Fantastic. Underrated. And so he's currently a security guard living in a trailer, you know, not living that flashy life for a retired cop. Mm. And um, I believe at one point, doesn't Clarence leave and leave her with him? I do remember that. And he goes to get like chicken or something. It was something random. And so it was a very random stop by. I think dad makes a comment like, I haven't seen you in three years. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was longer. No, it says in three years. Okay. But it was, it was it had years. one of the most memorable, that part for me had one of the most memorable quotes of the movie um, because what's her name? Alabama. Alabama gives dad a kiss on the way out. And he's like, huh, she does taste like a peach. Well, that's because that's what Christian Slater said is when he, he was talking to his father, his father's like, so tell me about her. How did you meet her? What do you know about her? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes through their little spiel and then says, and, and you know, dad, she tastes like a peach. Mm-hmm. That's where that came. Yeah, that sounds like something you'd say to your dad. Sweet as sugar. So after that, we Weird. we get to uh, meet the mob for the first time. Oh yeah, and they go to see dad. So led by led Christopher by Christopher Walken, Walken none the other. Great Christopher Walken. A lot of makeup on, but you know, I love Christopher Walken. Did a great job as the mob boss. Yeah. And so, if you guys were uh, Clarence's dad in that in that position, would you have handled it the way he did, or maybe gone a different route? Um, I would have thought. I would have felt I was going to die no matter what. I, don't know, I, don't know I how think that that's an iconic scene. Yes, it and is. I, I'd be happy to take this one. Take it. So it is one of those scenes when we talked about earlier how there are some scenes in this movie that are completely memorable, right? For better or for worse. 100%. Um, this is such an iconic scene. The father is not going to give up his son. He knows he's going to die. Yeah. He can do one of two things. He can speed this along or he can endure what's probably going to be hours and days worth of misery. And so I I believe I saw this movie years and years and years and years ago because this scene stuck out to me as having seen this before. And I hadn't recognized the movie until this scene. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the father looks at, Christopher Walken and starts talking about how he's Sicilian. Yeah. I looked at Justin and said, what are they going to do? Compare him to being black? Mm-hmm. Because that's just one of those things that, you know, there's stereotypes and there are historical references and, and so on and so forth. If you really want to piss off my family isn't half Italian, right? You really want to piss off a Sicilian man. You talk about how his family comes from Africa. Yes. That's just going to be numero uno way of it. The highest insult that they're going to take. And he did it in such. With bravado. Oh, my God. In such a way. I thought it was such a brave. I mean, if you're going to go out with a bang, he went out with a with a fucking bang. I mean, like Luke said, he he would have thought he was already going to die anyways. Well, that's just it. He's going to die. And so. Why be tortured? Expedite the process. Yeah. So and I. Watching the movie, right, it took a, a few minutes into the scene for me to recognize, I think I've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, for me, it was, I, I can't say it was recollection initially, but it was just, for me, it was so predictable that that was the route he was going to go. But even so, I felt like it was done so beautifully. I, I thought the writing of that scene, the directing of that scene, the facial expressions, the, the comedic, you know, side from the, I mean, the man knows he's dying. Yeah. Right. And I feel like Christopher Walken in that scene handled that. So that part so well, right. He's like laughing along, laughing along. And then all of a sudden he takes out his gun and blows the man away. Yeah. But doesn't he get a couple punches in first? I could have swore he puts a glove on or something and and socks him a couple of times. No, so I, I think the guys before. were hitting him as Don Vincenzo, That's which is the right. character walks in. But what he said after I he apologize, shot him, everybody, our bulldog is laying here and, and <laughs> snorting up a storm. So if you hear weird breathing, it's not us. No, it's not. Are it truly sh- is the dog. <laughs> Stop it, just you can't see my hands though. <laughs> <laughs> True. So uh, yeah, and I love what Don Vincenzo says. 
after he's like, I haven't killed a man in, what, 23 years? Uh, I haven't killed a man since 1984. Oh, okay. So not not quite as long, but I haven't killed. Made a point that this isn't what he does. Right. And he was that made the point that he was so mad that he didn't even think twice. Knew that by killing the man that he wasn't going to get the information he wanted. Yeah. But didn't care because he was that infuriated. Yeah, and 100% accomplished Dennis Hopper's task as trying to cover his for his son and time. not giving out any info. And on the surface, it looked like Christopher Walken's character was a Don... What was it called? Vincenzo. Vincenzo was laughing along, was like, was acting like, you know what, I'll I'll give you that. You know, you got me there. You got me. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked like almost like it was going to be some, one of those like weird mob rules or something where it's like, you know what? I respect you for standing up to me. Didn't turn out like that. No. Yeah. It didn't turn out so well. And I forgot that the other thing that Clarence got was he got the address for his cousin that was out in LA. And so that's what actually Sent them out to LA. He needed the address and the phone number to be able to get out there. Ah, Correct. the cousin played Which by they played left. by Michael Rappaport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Rappaport. The address was left on his father's refrigerator. Correct. So even though he, you know, escalated his own death scene and made it as painless as I mean a death scene could be, especially when you're being tortured by the mob. Yeah. They walk into the kitchen, see the address, and like, well, okay, here we go anyway. Yeah. yeah well, so it, was it all didn't for not. help I mean, right? anything. Yeah. But hey, dad meant well. Still iconic mm-hmm. scene. Definitely. Would you say one of your one of the best scenes of the movie? I would if not say the so. Best? I would say it's the most memorable for me, aside from the music, anything music related. Okay. I would say it's probably the best acting scene. So yeah. Then, so then our starstruck lovers, can we call them starstruck lovers? Sure. Starstruck lovers head out west. Are like having sex in a phone booth at one point. Yeah, trying to right. call. That's the first time they call a guy like halfway there telling them they're actually coming. And so then they make it out and I believe the cousin, they make it out there and the cousin's not home. And that's when you, and you meet Brad Pitt yeah. as just like the pothead, semi Jamaican Rasta. Floyd. What's his name? Floyd. <laughs> Floyd. Perfect. Did you like Floyd? Did you Perfect, like Brad yeah. Pitt's role as Floyd? I thought he was comical. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was smoking he, pot out of one of those little bear honey containers. I mean, he does a great job playing a, a, a high derelict. I mean, it was pretty entertaining. Did a great job. I mean, I, it really struck me as odd and surprising that he wanted to be in this movie so bad that he took that role. So what do you think of Floyd, Luke? I, I thought Brad Pitt was I, I think Brad Pitt is hilarious in a couple of the roles in the movies we've seen lately. So it's uh, yeah, I, I, I felt it was fitting. And didn't you didn't you say that he also was out for the role of Christian Slater? He was, but he was filming another movie at the same time, the California. So there's a, a conflict. Yeah, so there's conflict. So he couldn't dedicate enough movie to be or enough That's time right. to be the lead. Gotcha. But, but he, he wanted to be in the movie bad enough. They gave him like the bit part. There's something to be said about that. And he did good with the bit part. I think so too. I think my favorite actors in the movie are the the three smallest roles of, you know, Gary Oldman's character and Brad Pitt's character and. Christopher Walken's character, and they were not the, you wouldn't even say they're the lead or the supporting actors necessarily in the movie. Yeah, and I think that's really something to be said about the screenplay, that three kind of... Bigger names. uh, Yeah, bigger names and off-the-cuff characters, like like you said, not supporting characters, just kind of people that are there, make such an impact on the movie. Yeah, I think those, for me, well, maybe not so much Brad Pitt, other than I just love him, but... I would say that Christopher Walken's character and Gary Oldman's character were two of the most influential other than I would also argue James Gandolfini. Yeah, because you don't see Christopher Walken for the rest of the movie. You only see him in the one scene. Right. But they were so critical in driving forces. See, I told you it was a bulldog. Um, In driving forces. Meet Apollo, everyone. (laughs) For the plot itself, right? So each time one of those actors walks in, the plot thickens in some way, shape, or form. True. I agree. True. So then we meet uh, Michael Rapaport and he's the cousin kind of, you know, big Hollywood guy. Turns out he's really not. No. Struggling actor. Broke. Just trying to land the job. Didn't he kind of have delusions of grandeur like of that he was yeah. going to be fan- like He knew people. Yeah. And, and yeah. turns out like he knew a guy that works for a guy. Yeah. And so really wasn't able to directly help him right away. Kind of had to. But what they what, went to a theme park. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They all met at a theme park and met some. Because it's not where everybody does drug deals. Yeah. At theme parks. Yeah. And I've heard took that the rumor. assistant and took him out. And that's where they set a meet. 
And um, then they go back to their hotel, and that's where James Gandolfini finally tracks them down, but Clarence isn't there. It's just Alabama. And for me, that's one of the most memorable scenes of the movie. For me, that's like where the own, where the first time I watched this movie, I was like, okay, this is, there is some kind of real love there because that girl goes through. That's I mean, a like long, some Baghdad style. Yeah. That's a beat very down. painful scene to watch. And similar me. to Dennis Hopper's character, the father, I mean, she gets some quips in to the, to this guy that's just whooping her ass. Yeah, I mean, she's getting beat time. to death. Yeah. And, and laughing in his face. It was graphic and too. It was like, it, it so really, I think it was, I think for it was a nineties movie. Yeah. yeah. As well as for a nineties movie to push the boundaries of showing that kind of female abuse. Yeah. Was pretty brutal. I agree. Um, but I also think that it's the second most probably memorable scene in the movie. And this one, I don't feel is the, is a memorable scene in any sort of a light hearted or good way. No, not even when she was getting her jabs in, it was still, you know, you knew there was going to be repercussions for something she just said. Correct. And there was. Yeah. And see for me, it, for some reason, in some dark way, it does warm my heart because this, this woman is potentially going to lose her life over this cocaine that really they didn't even need because they're in love. They just stumbled across it and ended up with it. And it's under the bed hold the whole time, you know, kind of more irony, like the Dennis Hopper scene where they're trying to get the information and it's right there the whole time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, and she literally is not going to tell him anything, not going to say anything. She really would do anything to protect Clarence, even though she's known him for that's the that's the theme of the movie i don't really get i guess is just true romance why it's so intense so quickly i think it's kind of open for interpretation for us to come up with our own thesis and how we feel yeah and how we percept it what'd you say Kristen? i mean it's the novelty of the idea of that love at first sight that's that encompassing that empowering that damaging Mm -hmm. right is in its own sense a tragic love story Mm um it's pretty ridiculous but it's it's fun to watch if nothing else um because they really did they were so dedicated and so determined to stay together and it, it was i mean basically to their to their end now, did you guys think she was going to make it out of that scene alive? No. I didn't either. Corkscrew saved her, saved her life? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And it escalated from there? It certainly did. I, I, I felt like, you know, probably three or four times during that scene that it was, okay, this is as intense as it's going to get. I forget if this movie's rated R, but if it, it is, that's definitely the scene that explains why. There's no possible that way it's the, not rated R. Gary Oldman scene. Right. Well, definitely yeah. have to be the two that make this movie rated R. Well, there was just, there was some uh, pretty graphic gun violence deaths there was in addition to the you know abuse that she took that alabama took yeah and then clarence comes you know right as soon as it's done right and not in the nick of time yeah and um move forward they still still got their cocaine and their ticket to a better life right Mm because that's what they're looking forward to and end up uh setting the deal setting a meet right and then elliot the assistant gets stopped by the cops yeah. for being a douchebag and taking his boss's Porsche out and trying to be a big shot. Kind of like the cousin was. I mean, I felt like there was some undertones of these people who are kind of posers. This is sure. This is how they really get treated. Cause nothing really happened. Sure. For the cousin either. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it sets up like this grandiose meeting between the mob, the cops and Clarence in Alabama and the cocaine. Right. Somebody want to, Give me the rundown on what they thought of that. Uh, can't say final scene, but climax of the movie. Only thing I can add is that it ended very unexpected, unexpectedly. Okay. The scene or the movie? The the well the the climax scene. Okay. With you know we already have a running spoil alert here with the shot in the eye that yeah. is not fatal. That's that's just that's what stood out to me the most. Is that I thought he was out of the game completely. And he comes out of the bathroom after the second Elvis moment, you know, trying to gather up his courage or get direction, you know, to get motivated to go into this difficult situation to get his, you know, he didn't have alcohol to get his brass balls. So going and talking to Elvis is kind of how he did it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We all do. And um, walks out and everybody's there. Mm -hmm. And then the shootout occurs and bullets are flying. Feathers are flying through the air. 
pretty. It was pretty, a very Tarantino scene. Yes, very Tarantino. Was. I mean, it was it was really good, especially for being in one like suite of the a hotel room. The cinematography of that. How scene. much was going on yes. in that one room was pretty intense. Yeah, the cinematography of that scene was really intense because it made it gave you a three sixty view of a hotel suite mm-hmm. and even big suites, right? It gave you a whole, I mean, how they would have had to film it with the camera crew not being seen in each other's shots. Shots. Yeah. I, I thought they did an excellent job that with scene. the film editing and the and the well, the cinematography of it. Well, that, that scene must have taken forever to film. It had to. Yeah. Just- Imagine getting halfway through and being like, he missed his line, the Italian guy, because he's behind the couch at one point, like, Papa Gula, or what was he yeah. saying? And he was, like, saying something in Italian. He was screaming at them from behind the couch, like, remaining two cops. But it's there was the two cops, there was the Italian guy, and then there was Alabama. But in the, in the beginning, there was m- many more. Yeah, there was, like, six guys from the mob, a bunch of cops. Yeah, and Elliot and his, Elliot, his boss, who's, like, the big shot movie producer, his personal security that had, like, Uzis. Yeah, they did. And Clarence with this 38. Yeah. Which it, I believe out Alabama that, pulls out and kills the cops at the end, right? I want to say you're right. Yeah. yeah. Kills the two remaining cops. But in the blink of an eye, well, you know, in the blink of a couple of minutes, it thinned out the cast, you know, quite efficiently. Very efficiently. Yeah. And they just, you know, pop on some hoods and walk right out the front door. Yeah. And sands one eye. Sands one eye. And right off into the sunset mm-hmm. down Hollywood Boulevard. Right. Um, and then you get a minor cutscene. <laughs> Thanks, Apollo. Yeah, yeah so major cutscene. Yeah, he was and, um We see them on a beach in Mexico with a kid, with a kid, and an eye patch, and an eye patch. And they call him Elvis. Yep, yep, the king. So we've talked Fit. about Elvis coming back and forth into the movie a few times, right? With yeah. talking to Elvis, seeing Elvis. Did anyone notice that Michael Rapport? What's his last name? Rapport. Rapport. Okay, Rapport. It's hard to say. Um, did anyone notice that he was wearing a shirt that had Elvis on it when they arrived? I didn't. Nor did I. Yeah. So he was wearing an Elvis shirt. You nice. and your fun facts. Fun facts. That is a fun fact. Um, it, intentional, no doubt. Well, intentional for sure. Yeah. I almost forgot too. What'd you guys think of the the scene when they're going up in the elevator and Clarence hits like the emergency stop button while Elliot's sitting oh, there yeah. wired up and he freaking grills him and he starts panicking like, I just want to go home and yeah. starts crying. But somehow I passed the test. Believable or no? Uh, Yes. Out of character. Yes. I mean, it was it was Clarence way more intense than he was with Drexel. Yes. It was uh, building. Yeah. And it was just so sudden that it it was impressive. I mean, that that acting sequence from everyone involved was impressive. Even the people also in the elevator trying to stop him and trying to cool him down. So I think part of that. And take it back a little bit of a side note here. The scene with James Gandolfini beating up Alabama. Yeah. Okay. He talks about killing people and he talks about the first person you kill is the hardest. Um, then the second person you kill, it's hard, but it's not quite as hard. And he, he goes through down the line until basically it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt any, it doesn't hurt as much. It becomes easier and more diluted. Was the quote that he used. Would you say that from the time that um, Christian Slater's character killed Drexel to the point that the movie ended, that the deaths that occurred were more and more diluted? Yeah, I would say his his behavior as well seemed to and I'm not change. Just about, I'm not just talking about Christian Slater's murders. I'm talking but about the movie oh, the, in general, the deaths of the movies. I mean, I think Drexel's death was pretty monumental. Monumental. For the movie. And I then I kind of feel like these were like the most. Yes, but I would almost well, argue that Gandolfini's Hoppers. Hoppers was still pretty iconic, but not quite as shocking, maybe yeah, to me at least as. Gary Oldman's character. True. And then you move to James Gandolfini and it's like, well, that son of a bitch really deserved it. Yeah, it is. And but I think it's the first di- time in the movie that you see her not just be like the doting girlfriend. You know what I mean? The I'm infatuated with Clarence type person. You saw her literally go from taking a corkscrew in her back pocket, stabbing him in the foot, 
getting thrown into a shower, like coming with a spray, a hairspray blowtorch, grabbing the top off the toilet, then grabbing the shotgun, going full on 100% rage monkey. Yeah. And unloading the shotgun until it's empty. I mean, fight or flight, she was at her oh, yeah. deathbed. I mean, yeah. she went she's carnal. Went carnal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not talking about the murderers. I'm talking about the actual scenes and the people that are killed. I feel like there was a, a very important reason that James Gandolfini's character explained that hmm. that line. Well, in Tarantino, you are probably right. Yeah. That makes sense now that you say it like that. Because I feel like even though there was a lot more deaths and a lot more gunfire in the last scene, none of, all the deaths were diluted yeah. in the last scene. It yeah. was kind of like, oh, okay, I don't know, that one died, that one, oh, okay, yeah. that one died. Meh. Yeah, because the... They weren't Not significant. Sure. No. Yeah, I agree. So I just thought that was kind of interesting and I wanted to bring it up. No, it is. So final thoughts on the movie? Okay, well, I had one other thing I wanted to say before we- Go we ahead. Let's go. Wrap up. I actually thought, so we don't spend a lot of time often talking about like the costuming and the outfits. Okay. Through okay. the movie. It's true. I thought it was interesting that her outfits went from straight harlot. I mean, yeah. straight harlot with the- the bra and the cheetah print and the leopard and the red and to, she looked like she was going to a summer picnic in a summer dress. Yeah, you're right. She, she seemed more not homely, but domesticated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that that domestication came out after she murdered Gandalf. Yeah. She makes a good point. I thought that was kind of an interesting change up of Full her. paradigm shift. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. You always have to have this How kind of disclaimer when it's a Tarantino movie that there's meaning to just about everything. Yeah. And Kristen Everything up is on intentional that. and on purpose. Oh, thank yeah. you. So I don't I got, know how she does it. Guys. I got one more. I got What's one up? more. Fun fact. Bring it. So twice in the movie, there's a reference to a, a Hamlet quote where it says something is rotting in the state of Denmark. Yes. Do you guys know what the purpose of that is or what that means? No, I, I've heard it God knows how many times, but I, I don't know what the meaning of it is. Justin, thoughts on that? I don't. Okay, so I looked it up because I, I figured if it's in there twice, mm-hmm. there's a reason. Yes, definitely. And it's gotta, there's got to be some purpose to it. So I looked it up and it's used to describe corruption or as a, uh, a situation where something is not quite right. Something mm. is wrong. So when they... Both scenes where they made the reference to something is rotting in the state of Denmark, there was something kind of off going on before the plot changed. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, you're Interesting. 100% right about that. So I thought that was a fun fact. That, that know, and that is the whole point why we take notes, too. So we, I mean. Because I wouldn't have remembered that if right, it wasn't written yeah, down. No, that's good stuff. <laughs> that is good stuff. All right. That's all I have. Uh, my, Boys. I mean, final thoughts. I don't really have anything. It was memorable. I Boys. mean, I enjoyed the ride. You want to just get to rating now? Yeah, we can go straight to ratings. I figured that's what you're going with. You said final thoughts. Uh, I don't want to go first. Okay. Um, well, oh, like yes. I just said a second ago, memorable. I enjoyed the ride. Um, only irritating thing for me was the music. <gasps> Apollo and, too. Apollo, yes. He. We're going to have to edit this. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, yeah, uh, Apollo and I did not like the music. And... I want to say there's got to be some people out there that agree. It was, uh, it just kind of graded on me at one point. I compared it to nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. It was it, you, your body flinched and tensed. But you hung through the movie, time. despite you hating that, that happened almost every five I minutes. I agree. It, there were redeeming qualities to the movie, just like every movie that I've given a negative rating to, there are redeeming qualities and I'm not going to give this one a negative rating. This one, I'm going to give a C plus. Okay. And I think that's Shocker. fair. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. You thought I was going to be lower? Yes, I did. I'm a, ne- I'm a negative Nancy, man. So that's me. C plus. Um, you know, it, it was, it's a fun ride. Yeah. Fun ride. So I give it a B minus. Okay. I, I think I enjoyed it a slight bit more than Luke and the music didn't bother me nearly as much as it bothered Luke. But then again, I get hung up on stuff you like that. You do a little bit and that's okay. Yeah. And I do with stuff that I don't like. If it's something I don't yes, like and it, it keeps happening, it. I, I totally owned it and admitted it. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, he does. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Knock, okay. knock. Anyway, who's there? Interrupting Cal. Interrupting Cal. Hi, my, hi, my name is Justin. Sorry. <laughs> ADHD. I don't think I took my meds today. No, I you did. I don't think you did. No. no I could you tell. and Apollo both. So anyway, let's wrap this up. Yes. So I give it a B minus because I enjoyed the movie. Right? There's 
highly memorable scenes. It's so fantasy fairy, not fantasy in the sense of like magic and witchcraft, but it's like, like a, like a, a daydream. Yeah. Like right? much it's, of this could not happen. Right. Or, and it's, it's fun. It's a fun ride. It's enjoyable. I'd watch it again. So for me, it's higher than a C because mm-hmm. a C I'd be indifferent if I'd see it again. This yeah. I would watch again, but it's not going to be a favorite that I'm going to, you know, put in my top 10 that when I don't know what to watch, I grab. I got you. So I enjoyed it. I give it a B minus. And one, one thing, um, it would be a C, but Christian Slater's performance upped it to a C plus for me. Okay. I think he did a fantastic job. And I mentioned earlier, he's a one dimensional actor, but he's a master at that dimension. And he was a perfect person for this role. I think he really was. He really was. So for me, I give this movie an A minus and you guys are probably shocked. Yeah, I, you picked it. So I'm assuming I you did like pick it. it, but it's not the first time I saw it. It didn't have as much of an effect on me. I think I was staying home from school sick and it was like a movie that was on cable. And I was like, Oh, I'll just check this out. And I wasn't young enough to like pick up or I was too young to pick up on everything. And as I got older, like this movie, it's it's like a love story, like a fantasy, like you said, but it's not one off the shelf. Like there is no other love story like this. No. Mm. And for me, one of the things that I just love is the characters that were created, the development of the two leads of Clarence and Alabama and who they are, even though they don't change into like two totally different people, just the development of them together, Yeah, even though it happened very quickly. Um, just how there was nothing, there truly was nothing that was going to break them apart. No, there really even though was they knew each other for a couple days. Yeah. A cohesiveness between ca- them. I'll you know, agree with you on that. As, as a movie watcher, it's kind of powerful to see that, you know, that's what we're taught that love is when we're, when we're younger. So, um, I actually liked the little jingle. I, I know. know Luke hates it. I, I actually, I actually thought Imagine it was very that. clever. Um, and you know. One of Tarantino's first films, you really, really can't go wrong with it. So, yeah. yeah so that gives us a. I want to say B. A minus. I think it's a B. I'm pretty sure it's a B. Yeah. A B. B minus, C plus, A minus. I yeah. think it's a B. That's a B. So, yeah. so that's a B for not too shabby. B for true romance. Yeah. Hey. Hey, yo. That's one of our better ones. Probably the hardest to record ever. Without. Without a, a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Yay, animals. Get lots Dogs, of that. Yeah, technology really. yeah. issues. Yeah. You know. Sickness. Doing a podcast is great, guys. It's a lot of fun. It is. In times like these. It is. Still fun, though. It's I do feel fun. a sense of reward. Relief. Yeah, yeah. and relief. And definitely. relief that it's finally, we finally completed it. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. And we're signing off. Catch us next time. Bye. <laughs>